Hey Blockheads, Paul Boyer here. Friday, September 19th, 2014. Welcome to the ultimate episode, the final episode of The Mad Money Machine, Season 2, Episode 13, where we talk about Bitcoin and a whole lot more. Broadcasting from the Bitcoin bunker, six blocks below. Brandishing the blockchain to fight good versus evil. This is Bitcoin versus the man. This is the battle of the century. This is the Mad Money Machine. The Mad Money Machine is like an hour-long audio selfie where I talk to myself and get to listen to myself. And I'm proud to be sponsored by Brocker.com. Before you buy it, broker it, and listen to the magic word during the sponsor segment. Well, thank you, X-Ray Dogs, for providing that intro music. It's Alta Plaza. You can find it on iTunes. And all the things that we promised would happen between last show and this show have happened. Apple made their announcement about the iPhone update, and Scotland voted on whether to become independent or not. Which iPhone are you going to get? Are you going to stick with your iPhone 4 or 5, or are you going to upgrade to the iPhone 6, or are you going to get that big one? The iPhone 6 Plus. Man, you could do some Bitcoin trading on that iPhone 6 Plus. And talk about selfies. You can have some big old selfies that you can show to a whole crowd of people with that iPhone 6 Plus. I think that's the one I'm going to get when my two-year contract comes up in about mm, a couple of months. And the Scots decided to stay with the UK. Well, good for them. If I didn't know better... I'd think that this vote was a giant marketing campaign to get people more aware of Scotland. Look how many people around the world are talking about good old Scotland. And people are now thinking, maybe I should take a trip to Scotland. Yeah, beautiful country up there. I would be interested to see the tourism statistics over the next um, 6 to 12 months on how they've increased over previous months. But if this trend towards global cooling continues, it could get mighty chilly up there. So what's the first thing you should do after you unwrap your shiny new iPhone 6 or 6 Plus? Well, of course, the first thing you should do is limit apps from tracking your location in the background and prevent apps from accessing uploading your data and enable Find My iPhone for lost and stolen devices and allow messages, voice, and video to expire over time and prevent iPhone location-based tracking and prevent sharing your location to others and limit advertisers tracking your location and data. Besides all that, the first thing you should do is go to the iTunes uh, App Store and download... Bread Wallet. Bread Wallet, the new Bitcoin wallet for iPhone. I've tried it. It looks really simple and it looks really secure. In fact, it looks more secure than my desktop Bitcoin wallets or my online Bitcoin wallets. You set up a new wallet, it's going to give you a 12 word passphrase which you have to write down. 
because if bread wallet should crap out, you're gonna need those 12 words to restore your wallet on some other device possibly. And no, don't take a screenshot of the 12 words and don't copy the 12 words to your clipboard. <laughs> the idea folks is to be secure. So bread wallet has a couple of functions. You can send Bitcoin or you can receive Bitcoin. To send Bitcoin, you either scan a QR code or you pay to a Bitcoin address from the clipboard. To receive money, you just show somebody the QR code that's featured prominently on your big old iPhone 6 Plus screen. I think it's kind of cool how BreadWallet uses bits instead of full Bitcoins uh, to designate the units of the currency. As of today, $98 worth of bits is equal to 250,000 bits. That's because the Bitcoin price has been free falling. Boy, there's some motivated sellers out there, aren't there? Well, if you're looking to ever buy Bitcoin, now they're on sale. Go get your bread wallet, go get a Coinbase account or something, and load up on some Bitcoins. Bread wallet, like the best things in life, it's free. Yeah, for me, the, I think the biggest security weakness in all of Bitcoin is this phishing attacks. I think, I think now that I look back on it, I think that is how my BitPay account got hacked. It's through a simple, stupid phishing attack, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, where someone sent me an email saying, uh, and here's what it said. The, uh, the subject line of the email say, it said, late payment received. The from line said BitPay, no reply at BitPay.com. And you go down into the body of the email, which is nicely formatted and got proper English and everything. It says, uh, late payment received. A payment for 1.103 BTC arrived after the invoice expired. The following options are available. Refund the payment or accept the late payment and process the invoice as paid which is all cryptic you're thinking what in the world does all this mean and then it continues if you choose to accept the payment depending on your settlement preferences and the current exchange rate the amount credit uh, here we go the amount credit to your account may have to be reduced uh-huh not the amount credited to your account so clearly not an english speaker and then there's this big button in the middle that says view invoice. And uh, to resolve this issue, please email support at bitpay.com. Thanks for using BitPay, the BitPay team. And like a good email user, like a good secure email user, before you click on any link in an email, you always look down below in the bottom of your browser to see where that link really takes you because what it says in the email, of course, may be different than what it actually links to. And this button that says view invoice, I look down at the bottom, it says HTTPS, ooh, nice and secure, colon slash slash invoice-bitpay.com slash some more stuff. 
and at casual glance, you might think that invoice-bitpay is a legitimate bitpay site, and of course, it is not. And I think I got duped by this. I think this is what happened to me with the BitPay uh, a hack that I got involved with. I probably went out to this invoice-bitpay site. It probably looked like BitPay. I probably... Oh, take a deep breath here. I probably logged in with my username and password. Yeeks! And you know, if I did, you know, once again, if I had two-factor authentication... Uh, turned on for BitPay, I wouldn't have got hacked here because that site wouldn't have synced up with the uh, second factor that would be showing for the real BitPay site. Although, I guess whatever number I typed in there, they would allow allowed me to get in, right? Oh, well. So be very cautious when you get an email. Be very, very cautious about clicking on one of those links in an email message. Oh, and by the way, I was contacted by the folks that run the Why Bitcoin magazine, and they may uh, mention me in an article, I guess, about Bitcoin security and my failure to be a good, secure citizen and how I lost 3.3875 Bitcoin. So be looking for that. And another thing that Apple announced, of course, was Apple Pay. Or you can use your iPhone 6 or your Apple Watch to uh, hold it up to some device in a store and pay for your thing. Pretty securely, actually, as it turns out. I wonder, do you think there'll be a Bitcoin wallet for the Apple Watch? Wouldn't that be cool? Or do you think that somehow Bitcoin could be tied into Apple Pay? All very interesting notions. Straight from the Reddit headlines comes this one. Why is there such a focus on B2C transactions and not B2B? It seems like Bitcoin would be much more useful to the average business-to-business transaction than a business-to-consumer transaction. And I have to say there, I agree with that. You know, businesses have um, invoices that they regularly pay to other businesses, whereas consumers are all over the place uh, on buying stuff at seemingly random intervals. Well, you could set up these business-to-business transactions as a process, as an automated program, uh, and you could require um, two or more people to enter their passwords in order to make the Bitcoin transaction complete. I know Overstock has talked about paying some of its vendors in Bitcoin, and some companies have talked about paying their employees um, salaries and wages in Bitcoin. I think it's these kinds of pipeline transactions that would really help the Bitcoin economy. Well, there's some guy making an onion ring volcano on the hibachi, but it's not Satoshi. Satoshi's over there. Let's go see what he has to say in Satoshi's Corner. Satoshi no corner. I want to pull out some of the latest known writings of Satoshi Nakamoto. This from December 11th, 2010, BitcoinTalk.org, posting from Beamerhead, said, I think this must be the highest Alexa ranking site yet to cite Bitcoin. By the way, you have a PM. Hmm. Well, what they're talking about here is an article in PC World magazine 
that implies that Bitcoin was invented as a result of WikiLeaks' troubles, as a sort of an alternative solution to WikiLeaks' donation funding troubles. A uh, gentleman out there, Bruce Wagner, says that is not true. And Satoshi Nakamoto, on December 11th, 2010, replied, It would have been nice to get this attention in any other context. WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet's nest, and the swarm is headed towards us. But that wasn't the last posting from Satoshi Nakamoto. There was this from December 12th, 2010, entitled, Added Some Denial-of-Service Limits, Removed Safe Mode, 0.3.19. Satoshi writes, There's more work to do on denial-of-service, but I'm doing a quick build of what I have so far in case it's needed before venturing into more complex ideas. The build for this is version 0.3.19. He says, added some DOS controls. As Gavin and I have said clearly before, the software is not at all resistant to denial of service attack. This is one improvement, but there are still more ways to attack than I can count. I'm leaving the dash limit free relay part as a switch for now, and it's there if you need it. Removed safe mode alerts. Safe mode alerts was a temporary measure after the 0.3.9 overflow bug. We can say all we want that users can just run with dash disable safe mode, but it's better just to not have it for the sake of appearances. It was never intended as a long-term feature. Safe mode can still be triggered by seeing a longer, greater total proof of work invalid blockchain and then he's got a link to the builds well there's some question as to whether that was actually the last posting from satoshi nakamoto because there's this one march 6th 2014 under the heading bitcoin open source implementation of p2p currency in which satoshi writes i am not dorian Nakamoto. Well, here's something else we can pull out of the Madman Machine tool crib without, without all the fancy accompanying music. No, we'll just let Roger Veer talk about it himself. Hello, I am Roger Veer, longtime Bitcoin proponent. Today, I'm proud to announce the launch of BitcoinBountyHunter.com. BitcoinBountyHunter.com represents the first step into a new era for law enforcement and the protection of individual rights. Thanks to Bitcoin, now, for the first time ever, anyone across the globe can privately contribute funds to individual bounties that will directly motivate law enforcement agencies to arrest perpetrators of crimes that people actually care about. People with information about the crimes can now anonymously provide law enforcement with that information and then anonymously collect the bounty. And perhaps, most interestingly of all, now law enforcement officers themselves can directly and anonymously collect bounties for actually doing their jobs. 
This website is just the first step. In the coming months, we hope to build a completely decentralized, trustless system to enable these same things, but without requiring a central organizer. Thanks to Bitcoin, and with your help, we can all build a better world. Today is September 17th, 2014, and Bitcoins are about 460 US dollars. Yeah, and two days later, they're worth about $400 and free falling. But uh, so what do you think about this bounty hunter idea? You know, I was kind of worried a little bit about that it was a, um, a ransom type idea. But no, 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 that's not at all what it is. Uh, you know, if you were collecting a ransom anonymously, that's a horrible idea. A bounty hunter idea, yeah, it's pretty good. You can remain anonymous and still collect the bounty for giving off the tips for the crime and catching uh, the perpetrator. Pretty cool idea, Roger Veer. And here's another cool idea. Using Bitcoin as an offering plate. Local church is now accepting a new form of currency in the collection plate. Action News reporter Brian Callahan is here to explain what inspired the Spring Valley Assembly of God Church to start accepting Bitcoin. Brian. Steve Trish has with any charity. The church is always searching for ways to make donating easier. So when the webmaster at Spring Valley Assembly of God began researching Bitcoins, he said it was a simple decision to add it to the site. Add a new name to the list of places you can spend your bitcoins. The Spring Valley Assembly of God Church near Tropicana in Buffalo is now accepting the digital currency. When I saw that we could accept through Coinbase this, the bitcoins instantly and cash them in instantly for dollars, mm -hmm. I thought, what? Well, there's no problem anymore. This is it's perfect. John O'Neill says it took about a week to add the Bitcoin system to the church's website. He says parishioners can now choose to donate using the online currency that has been growing in value. Since, you know, it's a donation to cash it in immediately because you figure the donor probably wanted them to do that. The church was already accepting digital donations through PayPal, but O'Neill says they really hadn't thought about Bitcoin until they saw other local businesses like the D begin accepting the cryptocurrency. You're going to see more and more companies accept this form of currency. CEO Derek Stevens says in just about a week and a half, the use of bitcoins at the hotel and restaurants inside the D has been better than expected. He says much to his surprise, it's been the international travelers who have been the quickest to latch on to the digital currency. I'm actually surprised that it's been uh, probably 70% non-U.S. citizens. Um, it's, it's definitely um, something that's used by, uh, by, by foreign tourists and foreign travelers. Well, that's two pretty cool uses for Bitcoin. The first one in churches, although I think if you made a Venn diagram of Christians and people with Bitcoin, that the intersection of those two circles would be a tiny little sliver. Although I guess I'm in that sliver. And the second one, foreign travelers being able to pay for things in Bitcoin. Now, that's a good idea. That way they don't have to convert their strange foreign currency into U.S. dollars in order to get something here in the U.S. They can just have their bitcoins in whatever country they're from and come on over here and spend them just like they can where they come from. Well, as promised, here's the sponsor segment in which I told you there would be a magic word. In this sponsor segment, I'm going to talk about the sponsor for basically season two of the Mad Money Machine, Brocker.com. Yeah, that's right. I don't think, I don't know, there might not have been a season two if it hadn't been for Brocker stepping up to be the sponsor of the show. I really appreciate uh, the folks out at Brocker.com for allowing me to bring you season two of the Mad Money Machine. Brocker has not 
stopped their commitment to supporting the Mad Money Machine. But it's me feeling like season two's over. Now, for those people that are coming from foreign countries to spend money in Las Vegas, how do they get Bitcoins? One way is at Brocker.com. Hey, let me play the uh, little advertisement that there is already out at the Brocker.com website. Welcome to Broker. Now, the word broker makes very good sense because that's what's going on here. They're brokering between buyers and sellers. But I got to say, it's spelt Brocker, and that's the way I've been pronouncing it. Welcome to Broker, the easiest way to purchase Bitcoins on the Internet and to purchase anything you want with your Bitcoins. Here's how it works. Let's say that John has some Bitcoins and wants to buy a headphone. Now, let's say that Lucy is interested in buying some Bitcoins. Lucy is going to buy John's headphone with her credit card. Upon shipment or delivery, Lucy will receive John's Bitcoins. That was easy, wasn't it? Yes, it is. It's easy and it works. If you need Bitcoins, go to Brocker.com. If you need to spend your Bitcoins, go to Brocker.com. Before you buy it, Brocker it. And thank you so much, Brocker.com. Oh, and by the way, the magic word, I guess I told a little fib. It's not here in the sponsor segment. You're listening to Paul Boyer's Mad Money Machine. Like I've mentioned uh, maybe a couple of times, more times than you care to hear, uh, the Mad Money Machine was originally an investing show talking about stocks and and, uh, mutual funds and passive investments and lazy portfolios and that kind of thing. And I latched on to a, a really cool sponsor, uh, IFA.com, which, by the way, they're no longer a sponsor of the Mad Money Machine. I'm just running this because I like it. Uh, they have uh, Mark Hebner out there at IFA has a 12-step program for active investors. And it's he's got this book that you go through and you read the 12 steps and you learn what's the safest way to invest your nest egg. I really liked the concepts of it. And so what I did in the original Mad Money Machine is I put together to music each of the 12 steps. Of course, I used material from Mark Hebner's book uh, in explaining it. Uh, But then I used some lyrics from some of the songs that I picked. And all of the songs were pod safe except for one. And um, I'll play that one that uh, wasn't pod safe necessarily or wasn't licensable. Uh, at the end of this Mad Money Machine. Instead, I'm going to substitute now the version that was actually used by IFA when they put together a CD of all of the 12 steps that I put together for them, along with some other investment-related educational materials for their clients. And uh, these 12 steps that I put together were put on the Index Funds Advisor CD that they gave away to some of their clients. And that was really cool. This is the version that made it. uh, D. Sheldon. A song called What in the World, and this is Step 12 in the 12-step program for active investors. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. A 12-step program for active investors. Step 12, Invest and Relax. My name is Paul and I'm an active investor. Ah, we're home. I understand now that active investing is not only stressful, but unrewarding. 
If I knew of an investment that gave me the ability to relax, the offer of a sanctuary to hide myself from the evil stock trading gambler lurking deep inside of me, if I knew of an investment that I could hold through all the scary times to come, like a satisfaction guarantee, what in the world would I fear? Stay balanced. It is possible to invest and relax without fretting over the ups and downs of the market. This 12-step program has explained many advantages of passive indexing over active investing. Investing in this passive approach provides freedom from stress, anguish, and the panic of active investing. Remember, indexing is not designed to be a quick fix and does not carry the seductive quality of gambling or day trading. This approach neither has the sizzle the media likes, nor does it feed the adrenaline rush of chasing leads on returns. Active investing often leads to lost opportunity. Like most things of value in life, passive investing takes discipline and time to reap the rewards. It is the most intelligent and prudent way to build wealth over the long run. Indexing is a journey a lifestyle, a process based on a solid academic foundation of empirical research. If you're stressed out over your investments, if you can't invest and relax, we're here to rescue you. We're here to bring you home. Is there Well, I want to thank some of the artists that were used in those 12 steps. Zach and Sarah was used in all 12 steps as the Rescue Me song, and as well as step one. John Zielman and the Selves on step two, Always Want to Be on Top. John Zielman and the Selves on step three, Babbling of Fools. Stereo Suite on step four, Don't Scream. Naked Gun on step five, Lucky Days. The Voyeurs, Step 6, Under New Management. D. Sheldon on Step 7, Silent War. Carol Camille on Step 8, Roller Coaster Ride. Friction Bailey on Step 9, Hope in My History. Turtle Box on Step 10, No Chances. Ann Davis on Step 11, Awakening. And, of course, this episode, D. Sheldon, What in the World. Thank you so very much, artists. 
If for some reason these musical 12 steps catch your fancy, you can actually go out to madmoneymachine.com slash 12 steps and see them all. Or hear them all. Time for book chat on the Mad Money Machine. Oh yeah, hey, great time to start a new segment. Uh, book chat. This, uh, one of the uh, commenters out a couple of shows ago when I talked about the simulation argument, mentioned a book to me that I should read, a fictional book, and I did go out and read it because, hey, it's free. The book is called The Game, uh, subtitled The Game is Life, uh, book one, volume one, by Terry Schott, S-C-H-O-T-T. The first edition, the first volume, the first book in this series on Kindle is free of charge. So why not go and read it? Here's what the little summary out at Amazon says. What if life as we know it was just a game? What if, instead of traditional schools, children learned by participating in a virtual reality simulation, one that allowed them to experience, quote, life, unquote, from birth to death multiple times? What if one player, on his final play, could change the world forever. And if you've been following that simulation argument, which goes like this, scientists think the universe is made up of bits of information. That's step one. Step two, uh, what if a million years from now, with computer power doubling every 18 months, a computer could simulate everything that happens in the universe? And step three is then um, simulation argument, which postulates that either people would not be interested in performing such a simulation or they never get that advanced or we are living in a simulation. Well, this is a fictional book that kind of goes along with that simulation argument. And at that price, why wouldn't you go read it? Yeah, go out to Amazon. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. The Kindle version is free. Second thing, you know, Costco sells popular books. When will Bitcoin be popular enough to have a book for sale at Costco? I don't think we're quite there yet, are we? It's going to take a lot more than this. In fact, you know, what technology is popular enough to have a book uh, at Costco? I'm hard-pressed to think of any right now (laughs) that are at Costco, I guess on general PC usage or general internet usage or something. I know at my Costco, the book I saw most recently was a biography of Robert Griffin III, Star quarterback of the Washington Redskins who, doggone it, just cannot get those legs to stay healthy. Kirk Cousins, though, this is your chance. I've heard Kirk Cousins speak. He actually came to our church and gave a great talk about when he was uh, going, growing up through high school and college and what it takes to be a man. I've been rooting for Kirk Cousins, and I hope he does good this Sunday. Now, while I was at Costco last time, I did see a book there that I'd heard about before. I saw it laying there. I said, I'm going to buy this. The book is called Jesus on Trial. The subtitle is A Lawyer Affirms the Truth of the Gospel. I thought it was kind of coincidental the author's last name was Limbaugh. I thought, huh, I wonder if that's related to Rush Limbaugh. Turns out it is. David Limbaugh is Rush Limbaugh's brother. That's going to turn a lot of you off right away, isn't it? Well, don't be. It's a good read. Uh, Rush actually had his brother on his own show, and Rush wasn't didn't seem to be all that kind of convinced about what his brother had written. 
Here's what Amazon says. In Jesus on Trial, New York Times bestselling author David Limbaugh applies his lifetime of legal experience to a unique new undertaking, making a case for the Gospels as hard evidence of the life and work of Jesus Christ. Limbaugh, a practicing attorney and former professor of law, approaches the canonical Gospels with the same level of scrutiny he would apply to any legal document and asks all the necessary questions about the story of Jesus told through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. His analysis of the texts becomes profoundly personal as he reflects on his own spiritual and intellectual odyssey, from determined skeptic to devout Christian. Ultimately, Linbaugh concludes that the words Christians have treasured for centuries stand up to his exhaustive inquiry, including his examination of historical and religious evidence beyond the Gospels, and thereby affirms Christian faith, spirituality, and tradition. It's a good read. Go to Costco and pick it up. Jesus on trial. Yeah, you can find that at Costco. But as far as I know, there aren't any books about Bitcoin <laughs> for sale at Costco. If there have been, let me know. When do you think, if there haven't been, when do you think the first book about Bitcoin will be on sale at Costco. Well, enough about book chat. Let's go on to play a round of the world's favorite game, Guru Roulette. I've replaced the numbers on a roulette wheel with the names of Bitcoin gurus. I'll spin the wheel and roll the marble, and for the selected guru, give a little background on their Bitcoin philosophy. So here we go. And the winner this time on the ultimate episode of the Mad Mud Machine is Richard Branson. Sir Richard Charles Nicholas Branson, born 18 July 1950, is an English business magnate and investor. He's best known as the founder of Virgin Group, which comprises more than 400 companies. At the age of 16, his first business venture was a magazine called Student. In 1970, he set up a mail order record business. In 1972, he opened a chain of record stores, Virgin Records, later known as Virgin Megastores, Branson's Virgin brand grew rapidly during the 80s as he set up Virgin Atlantic and expanded the Virgin Records music label. According to the Forbes 2012 list of billionaires, Branson is the sixth richest, richest citizen of the United Kingdom with an estimated net worth of 4.6 billion US dollars. Well, of course, another one of those 400 companies is Virgin Galactic which is going to send someone to space, send tourists to space, including the Winklevoss twins, I think. I wish they would send some politicians to space on a one-way trip, but never mind that. One of the key features of Virgin Galactic is you can buy that trip to space using Bitcoin, and he was asked about that on CNBC. Bitcoin is something that you've... Uh been interested in and supportive of. In fact, uh, one can pay for a tour on Virgin Galactic up to the moon with Bitcoin. I think the, the Winklevoss twins have said that they would do exactly that. You think this is a currency, a currency that's really going to work eventually? Well, I think it is working. Um, and uh, there will be other currencies like it that may, may be even better. Um, but in the meantime, um, there's a big industry around Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. Um, you know, people have made fortunes out of Bitcoin. Some people have lost money out of Bitcoin. Um, it's volatile. Hmm? It's volatile. 
Yeah, but it is quite volatile. But, um, but you know, when in volati volatility, people can make money out of volatile situations. Why was it important for you to give it sort of that stamp of approval, that endorsement, by saying to the Winklevoss twins, yes, you can pay for the, uh, the ride with Bitcoin? Because I'm not foolish. I mean, if, if people have got lots of Bitcoins and they want to go to space, um, I'd much rather they um, spent that money on our spaceship. Whether I keep it in Bitcoins is another matter. But I'd much rather they, they spent that money on, on a Virgin Galactic spaceship than on, uh, you know, Elon will be sending people to space one day on Elon's spaceship. So we'll, we'll grab the money while it's, while it's there. <laughs> Elon versus Richard. Um, when will people be able to go to space? Well, it's been tough. Um, getting the rockets finished uh, has been tougher than we thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, and we were building two separate, uh, two, two separate rockets. Both came good two months ago. Um, uh, since the spaceship is ready, the mothership's ready, the spaceport's ready, now the rockets are finished. Um, we're, we're now, over the next two months, we'll start our, um, our aerial flights and then our flights into space. So. Um, so early next year, um, we'll, we'll finally be up and away. It's exciting stuff. Well, Sir Branson also had an opinion about the um, Scottish independence vote. He had a writing on his blog, I guess before the vote. He said, why I want Scotland to stay part of the UK. He wrote, today I attended a fascinating conference in Ukraine where I discussed how the business community can support finding a peaceful solution to the conflict with Russia. Here people are losing their lives over the issue of sovereignty. We're very lucky that in the UK we're able to openly debate and that Scotland is able to democratically decide its future. Do I think it would be the end of the world if Scotland was to leave the UK? No, people certainly won't be losing their lives over it. But I do believe that Scotland can have the best of both worlds by staying in the UK. We live in an increasingly uncertain world, whether it's the global financial climate the tragic conflicts in Ukraine, the Middle East, and Africa, or the challenges we faced from climate change, which I suppose would be global cooling at this point, <clears throat> I think we are stronger when facing these challenges together as one nation. Considering I am known as Dr. Yes at Virgin, <laughs> the suggestion to say no to anything feels rather odd. However, on this occasion, I feel we are stronger together. I love Scotland. My wife is Glaswegian. My mother and grandparents are from Edinburgh. I visit family there as well as many wonderful virgin staff and companies. On a personal basis, I would love to see Scotland stay as part of the UK. As a businessman, considering Scotland's economy, prosperity and security, I think it's imperative that it stays in the Union. It is clear that the people of Scotland want change. And whatever the outcome of the referendum, change is in, on the cards. If the vote stays as close as the polls suggest, there won't be a mandate to separate or keep the union exactly as it is. Keeping the status quo is no longer an option, and the Scottish Parliament needs greater powers. It was interesting to be in Quebec earlier this week, which has voted twice against independence in the lead-up to the Scottish referendum. Quebec's Quebec's first referendum on independence was in 1980, but the debate rumbled on, and a second referendum in 1995 was defeated by the narrowest of margins, with 49.42% voting yes and 50.58% voting no. The UK should learn from Quebec and make sure genuine power is devolved quickly to 
Holyrood, so that the Scottish people have the best of all worlds. Well, wise words from Sir Richard Branson, and sir, we do appreciate your support of Bitcoin. Congratulations, you're the guru on the ultimate episode of the Mad Money Machine. Hey, there's a cool new feature out at coinmarketcap.com. Not only can you look at charts of how all the values of the cryptocurrencies are going down, but you can look at charts of the assets on there and the rankings of the assets. Here's what I mean. The currencies, the cryptocurrencies that I'm talking about, of course, sorted by um, market capitalization. Bitcoin is at the top. Ripple, Litecoin, BitShares, X, NXT, Peercoin, Dogecoin, Darkcoin, Namecoin, and Bitcoin Dark are the first 10. But you can click a little tab there and see assets and the market value of the top 100 uh, assets, the market cap of the top 100 assets. The, the number one asset out there is made safe coin. And the reason it's an asset is because it lives on the master coin platform. Made safe coin actually has a market cap of about eight million dollars next one down is instant dex dex number 12 on the list ltb coin on the counterparty platform coming in at a market cap of sixty five thousand dollars well if you want to get some ltb coin one way to do it is enter the magic word for this episode and i haven't said it yet keep listening Go to letstalkbitcoin.com and up the top there, hover over LTB coin rewards and click on magic words and just type in the magic word that I'm going to give you a little bit later in the show. Of course, you need a counterparty account to send those LTB coins to, but Let's Talk Bitcoin has all the information on how to get that set up. Did you have a big celebration last Wednesday for Constitution Day? I don't know why we don't celebrate it a little bit more than we do. Yeah, 227 years ago, the uh, 55 or so guys that were gathered together at the um, Independence Hall in Philadelphia signed the Constitution of the United States of America, September 17th, 1787. And from there, it had to go, be, it had to go and be ratified by nine of the 13 states at the time. Now, there was one state that didn't even show up, Rhode Island. So they're kind of out of the loop. But Virginia and New York and some other states had a hard fight in deciding whether or not to sign on to this new constitution for this new form of government in the United States. You've probably heard of the Federalist Papers written by James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and a couple by John Jay. Well, there's also a collection of papers with the other opinion. They're called Anti-Federalist Papers. They're not quite as popular, but they present a case for why putting all this power into one place is kind of a dangerous idea. One of the guys that was at the uh, convention wrote some uh, Anti-Federalist paper material, George Mason. He was one of the three that remained at the convention and did not sign the Constitution of the United States. There's some fabulous history here. The Constitution was definitely not a unanimous agreement. 
just like the vote for Scottish independence. I want to thank you so very much for being patient and listening to my audio selfie. Paul Boyer here on the Mad Money Machine. It's been a great privilege to um, have you as a listener. I want to thank you so much. I know, you know, some of you might be just listening for the magic word, but some of you might be listening because you like the show, and I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I enjoy doing it, and um, it, like I say, it's been a real pleasure for me to do it these past two seasons. Thank you so very much. This is Paul Boyer saying it takes money to make money and it takes Bitcoin to make a mad money machine. Buy some Bitcoin, spend some Bitcoin, donate some Bitcoin, and then replenish your Bitcoin. Go to Brocker.com and support the supporters of the mad money machine. Before you buy it, Brocker it. B-R-A-W-K-E-R. What does the future hold for the mad money machine? No one can predict the future. If you'd like to show your support of the Mad Money Machine, you can tweet something at it, including at Mad Money Machine. You can send an email to bitcoin at madmoneymachine.com. And there's also the voicemail line at 571-366-7121. I wish you the best of luck in all your Bitcoin endeavors. Together, if we're united, we can make this thing work. In the Mad Money Machine after party, I've got the original Step 12 of the 12-step program. I've got a cool song for you, and I've got this thought. How did the great old designer of the simulation get things started anyway? You know, he had to create the simulation of the Earth. And then I suppose he turned on the lights and made it so that there was a daytime and a nighttime. And formed the sky and the oceans and dry land. Then the great old designer put plants on the dry land and on the oceans, created the sun to allow the simulated earth to have both day and night as well as seasons, and then filled those oceans with fish and all kinds of sea creatures, and then created all kinds of wild animals to run all over the earth. And then, at that point, the great old designer created a man and it basically looked like he did and that man had everything he needed to live a good happy life on that earth that the great old designer created turns out the man was a little lonely by himself so the great old designer created a woman to be with him but then something went terribly wrong if you'd like to learn more about that story Read Genesis chapters 1 through 11. Hear now a song from Hillsong Young and Free called Back to Life.
the magic word for this episode is Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. You can find that on YouTube. (laughs) So I hope this show doesn't get banned from YouTube. Well, I mentioned the 12-step program. The 12th step, which is called Invest and Relax. Uh, The 12th one wasn't accepted uh, as a uh, licensed song to be put on IFA's CD. Because I used the music. It was pod safe at the time. I I misspoke earlier. This song is actually pod safe. It was on the pod safe music network. But it's just that the artist wouldn't allow it to be licensed for use in a commercial production. And that artist is Howard Jones. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. A 12 step program for active investors. Step 12 Invest and Relax. My name is Paul, and I'm an active investor. Ah, we're home. 
I understand now that active investing is not only stressful, but unrewarding. There are lots of people crying out for some peace. There's a lot of people listening. It's time for us to sit down and talk about it. Try to build an understanding. What we feel can be altered in the moment we decide between passive investing and active investing, between the light and the dark side. So take a stand right here in this place because we are building our own future. Just one by one, day by day, we're free to choose a life, an investment plan that's better for all of us. It is possible to invest and relax without fretting over the ups and downs of the market. This 12-step program has explained many advantages of passive indexing over active investing. Investing in this passive approach provides freedom from stress, anguish, and the panic of active investing. Remember, indexing is not designed to be a quick fix and does not carry the seductive quality of gambling or day trading. This approach neither has the sizzle the media likes, nor does it feed the adrenaline rush of chasing leads on returns. Active investing often leads to lost opportunity. Like most things of value in life, passive investing takes discipline and time to reap the rewards. It is the most intelligent and prudent way to build wealth over the long run. Indexing is a journey, a lifestyle, a process based on a solid academic foundation of empirical research. If you're stressed out over your investments, if you can't invest and relax, we're here to rescue you. We're here to bring you home. Is there some way you can rescue me? Some way you can bring me home again? Some way you can rescue me? Rescue me? Rescue me? Building our own future, and I don't know what the future holds for the mad money machine. We'll just see. We'll just have to see what happens. Uh, once again, I'm thankful for the sponsor of the show, Brocker.com, for letting season two happen. Uh, please don't think that uh, Brocker.com is the reason season two is coming to an end. That is not the case. They're continuing to support the mad money machine, and I thank them very much for that. 
One thing I forgot to mention is I've also got a protonmail.ch account now. Mail me securely. Mad Money Machine at protonmail.ch if you're so lucky to get one of those secure email accounts, encrypted email accounts. Mad Money Machine at protonmail.ch. You can comment on this show at letstalkbitcoin.com or at SoundCloud or just tweet something. Good luck, and I hope you win the simulation.